0: Well, good evening. We're starting a new class tonight. This is Philippians, Colossians. And I'm excited about going through this worksheet. A good class on Colossians wouldn't, or Philippians wouldn't start in Philippians. It would start in Acts. Of course, you all know that. So let's get started in Acts chapter 15 with this worksheet as soon as I find it. Did everybody get a worksheet? All right, got some right over here on on the lectern i hope there are enough is there are there any left on there they're gone okay are do how many do we need okay a couple three anybody know any good jokes while we're waiting ice cream cones um i i didn't think to bring any ice cream cones uh but what we'll do is we'll just take a look at what we're going to be taking a look at. Philippians and Colossians are two excellent letters. It's not like they're, you say they're really good because they're from God. My goodness, what, what more would you expect from the hand of God than, than excellence? But I like to look at history, and so when I, when I thought, first thing I thought of Philippians, well, we've got to go to Acts to talk about Philippians, because that's where the church was established in the 15th and 16th chapters. And when you read Paul's, this is the second journey he's going on, and part of what he's doing on this second journey is delivering, it will talk about the decrees that were laid down by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. And this is all based on some controversial thing that happened in chapter 10. What happened in chapter 10? Anybody remember? See, we're studying Acts on Sunday morning and we haven't gotten to chapter 10 yet. Cornelius, Cornelius and his household. What was unique about Cornelius and his household at that point in time? They were Gentiles and there had been no Gentiles brought into the kingdom up until that point. And they were the first ones. And so they had two meetings over this. And in the 15th chapter tells us about the one in Jerusalem where they got together. And they said, well, if, if the Gentiles are coming in, this is what we need to tell them. And they wrote some things down. Uh, this is what it is. Verse chapter 15, verse 20. Uh, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled. Why, why not eat things that are strangled? That was forbidden in the law. You don't eat things strangled, and it has to do with the blood, which is the next thing, and stay away from blood. All those good Germans eating the Blutwurst, man, they can't be doing that. Not with the Jews around. That uh, Blutwurst is a sausage made with blood, so anyway. By the way, if you do get some Blutwurst and you cook it, make sure to poke holes in the skin or it'll explode in the pan. It, it's got to anyway. We don't need to go off on that, do we? Put that in the notes. Put that on the, in the margin of your worksheet there. When you cook blutwurst, poke holes in the skin. Anyway, so that's, that's part of what he's going to be doing or they're going to be doing as they travel on this second missionary journey. So let's go to the worksheet. Everybody got one now that needs one or wants one? Okay. Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. We, we won't read it, but this is where this information is found, what we were just talking about says this is the record of Paul's, and I already gave it to you, second missionary journey. That's what we call it. After a sharp blank with Barnabas over John Mark, what, what happened between Paul and Barnabas? Had a disagreement, had a sharp disagreement, which is encouraging to me. He's an apostle. Barnabas was who, what they call Barnabas? Son of encouragement. These two guys mature spiritual men had a falling out and it was over the lord's work wow so god said luke write that down i want everybody to know these guys had a falling out and as a result what happened was instead of there being one missionary journey there were two because barnabas took John Mark and went off to preach and Paul took Silas and went off to preach. And that's the next part here. Barnabas took John Mark and went to Cyprus while Paul took Silas and he went through Syria and Cilicia. Number two, this is Acts 16, one through three talking about meeting Timothy, Paul and Silas came to blank and blank Derby and Lystra and met Timothy, who was well-spoken of by the brethren there and in Iconium. Timothy was from Lystra, so he was a Listerine. Yeah, I got it. Where are we here? Timothy's mother was blank, Jewish, but his father was a Greek. So Paul had Timothy blanked to prevent any barriers in ministering to Jews. Circumcised, circumcised. Acts 16, 4 to 10. Luke records that Paul's entourage continue. Are you impressed that I use the word entourage? I, I use the word because Luke doesn't say exactly how many folks there were. In the group. But we know Paul is there. Who else? Who's with Paul that we know of? Silas, who else now? Timothy. So we've got at least these three. Who are traveling together. Luke records that Paul's entourage continued their journey strengthening the churches. And delivering the blank decided on by apostles and elders in Jerusalem. The decrees, decrees regarding blank coming into the kingdom. Gentiles take these decrees. They wrote them down. They took them to all the churches and said, all right, Gentiles are coming into the kingdom. This is a good thing. This is God's plan. This is the way it was from the beginning. So get used to this new thing. And while you're getting used to it, here are some decrees. Stay away from what things? Anything offered to idols. What else? Stay away from anything strangled. What else? Blood. And the other one is kind of a given. It's like, really? You had to put that down? Fornication. Fornication. Now, why in the world, and I'm asking the historians of idolatrous religion in greece why would you have to say avoid fornication that was how they worshiped you had you had these girls up at the temples and to get the gods aroused so the gods would send rain and provide fruitful crops and fruitful animals you you went up there and you did things that you're not supposed to do that would be termed fornication that was what they believed. That was the practice. You go look it up. So it makes sense, and it doesn't say that in the text of Acts 15, but it makes sense that when you're writing to the Gentiles, okay, here's how you get along with Jewish people. You don't eat blood. You don't eat things strangled. You stay away from anything that has to do with idolatry and, and no fornication. You're going to have to believe in a God that, that doesn't work like that. Anyway, that's where we are here. So we're in the middle of number three where it says the blank blank had forbidden them to preach in Asia. The Holy Spirit had forbidden them to preach in Asia at this point. And the spirit of blank also restrained them from going into Bithynia. The spirit of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? You remember talking about Philip Sunday night. Those of you who were here for Sunday night. Who told Philip to go down to Gaza? It was an angel. And then who told Philip to join the guy in the chariot? The Holy Spirit. So now we're a few chapters on down the road here. And Luke is telling us, well, the Holy Spirit told Paul, don't you go over into Asia. And the spirit of Jesus kept them from going to Bithynia. Now, will the gospel eventually be preached in those places? Yes. Yes. When, Paul, or when John has the letter of the revelation dictated to him, what's he writing about in the second and third chapter but the seven churches of Asia? But not now, not yet. Where are we here? They came to Troas. And while there, Paul was given a blank of a Macedonian man, a vision of a Macedonian man, asking them to come there and blank. Help, come and help us. Come and help. Troas is also the point at which Luke begins to use the pronoun blank. We, apparently, having joined the group there. Isn't it interesting that it doesn't say that, but all of a sudden as you're reading, Luke's telling us about what they were doing, they were doing, and then we did this. Oh, wait a minute, what happened? There's a transition. So apparently, Luke joined the group. So now who have we got in the group that we know of? Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. Maybe others, but those are the four we know about. Acts chapter 16, 11 through 15. Arriving in Philippi, or Philippi of Macedonia they meet some blank who have gathered to pray by the river some women who have gathered to pray by the river outside the city gate a woman named Lydia who was actually a purple merchant from Thyatira boy I missed some good possible blanks there didn't I I didn't put those in there she was there Lydia sold purple and I understand from from what research I've done that that was a pretty expensive thing because the process of making purple, you, you made it from shells. And you took those shells and you processed those shells to draw the purple color out of them. And then you would dye the clothes, the cloth, in that purple color. And sometimes it would be clothes, other times it would just be cloth from which you could make clothes. And that was a process that, was labor-intensive and expensive, and so she was probably a wealthy woman. I don't want to read too much into this, but she's, she's traveling abroad, and she's selling purple, and there's a couple other things that will tell us that she was probably well-to-do. At any rate, that's where we are here. She was a worshiper of God, and he blanked her heart opened her heart as she was listening to Paul. As a result, she and all of her blank were baptized, household. She then prevailed upon Paul and those with him to blank in her house to stay. So she's not from this town. What town? Philippi, Philippi, however you want to pronounce it. She's not from there. Where's she from? Thyatira she's traveled to this place and evidently who she brought with her her whole household when you travel do you take your whole family your whole household she did not only did she have her whole household what did she tell Paul and his entourage once she'd become a Christian come stay at our house so apparently she had a, a sizable place to stay in a town where she didn't even live. At any rate, again, I don't want to read too much in, but it's hard to miss some of the things that are being said. Hard to come to some of those conclusions. Number five, still in chapter 16, following an altercation regarding a slave girl with a spirit of divination, Paul and Silas were blanked and blanked. Oh, I'm hearing, I think I'm hearing all of them, both of them. They were beaten and then they were imprisoned or jailed. Tossed them in the pokey. The hoose gal. So that's what happened to them. I I didn't go into detail about this young girl with the spirit of divination. There's a lot of questions there. Just come into the the study of it uh, in Acts when we do that on Sunday morning and we'll cover more of that there. But. The main thing is they got arrested for doing something that wasn't wrong. People just didn't like it when they did right. Aren't you glad it's not like that today? So they were beaten and they were imprisoned as they were blank, blank to God, singing praises when? Around midnight. While the other prisoners blanked. Luke points this out. They were listening. You can imagine you're in, you're in prison. You probably didn't hear too much singing in prison. Probably for sure didn't hear any praises to God. And these guys, their, their feet are locked in the stocks, and they're in the deepest part of the prison. And midnight comes, and what do they do? They sing praises to God. And the prisoners hear that. Apparently, nobody told them to shut up. An earthquake occurred, opening the prison doors and blank all the prisoners from their bonds. Freeing or releasing all the prisoners from their bonds.
1: Yes, it is. That's what happens when you become a Christian,
0: Preston's point now. You're released from your bonds. Where are we here? The blank being encouraged by Paul that no one had fled. The jailer. I know, I kind of wrote that funny. Asked what he needed to do to be saved. After blank Paul and Silas' stripes... Washing, and hearing the word of the Lord, he and all of his blank were baptized into Christ. Household, he and all of his household were baptized into Christ. Luke writes that after this, the jailer brought them into his own blank house, set blank before them, food and blanked with his whole household, rejoiced, This is how the church gets started in the town of Philippi. Philippi was an important city. It was where uh, Alexander the Great's dad had conquered this town and given it his name. It meant the city of Philip. And so it it had that legacy, I guess you'd say. And the Romans, when they captured it, they they made it the, the central place of government right there. So it's a pretty important town. And this is how the church gets started there. I do want to point out here in chapter 16, just for the sake of of anybody who might run across this when you're trying to study with somebody, uh, some folks will say, based on verse 31 of chapter 16, that that's all you need to do to be saved. What's verse 31 say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. What do you need to have with that verse? Yeah, keep on going. What I'm looking for is the word context. Everything has to be in context. If anything's ever taken out of context, you can really do damage with it. And so keep everything in its context. You have to read everything that's happened here. Uh, who was this guy? He was a jailer. Where did he live? He he lived in Philippi, uh, a Roman colony in a Greek town. Probably had no idea who Jesus was. And so he knows there's something different about these guys. What was he about to do? I, I didn't go into all the stuff in the worksheet, but when he comes in, what's he about to do before they stop him? He's going to kill himself. Because... If you're a jailer and your prisoners get away, that's going to be your punishment. You're going to die. So he's thinking, I might as well kill myself. I'll just take care of that right now, and, and I'll save myself the dignity of somebody else doing it to me. So that's what he's about to do, and they stop him say, no, we're all here. And this guy apparently in wonderment of the fact that nobody has fled. These guys haven't fled, but but who else didn't flee? None of the other prisoners. They all stayed there. There was something about this occurrence that apparently made a a huge impact on everybody who was there because nobody fled. It's kind of like at the crucifixion. Who makes a statement at the end of the crucifixion that you might not have expected to make such a statement? The centurion, what's he say? Truly this was the Son of God. Who else makes a statement while Jesus is being crucified that you might not have expected to make such a statement? The thief, the other thief. He says, remember me when you come in your kingdom. So he's a thief and he's been crucified. And next to him is another guy being crucified. And it doesn't say why he concluded what he concluded. Yes, the, the centurion afterwards. He said, truly this was the son of God. Yeah, you know, we we, you must have been taking a note because we just went through that one real fast. You missed it, Johnny. Stay away. Come on. Stay with us. But then there's the thief on the cross who, who makes that request of a guy who's hanging next to him on a cross. You ever think about how much faith that requires? And here's Lydia. Now she's in a town where she doesn't even live. And what does it say about her, first of all? Not that that she's from Thyatira or that she's a silver or purple. What else is she? She's a worshiper of God. Where did that come from? Was she Jewish? There's no indication that she was Jewish. I don't know that it would say that if she was Jewish because it would be like, duh, she's a Jew. But she's worshiping God. So apparently she's not Jewish. And yet she's worshiping God. And she's gathered with some women, women outside of town. By the way, what day was that? Wasn't that the Sabbath day? Let's make sure. Yeah, 13. I thought on the Sabbath day. So she's worshiping on the day that she knows probably the Jews work. Now, all this is speculation on my part. I don't know what she knows about the Jews. But it's it's the Sabbath day, the day that the Jews worship. She's outside the, the city gates by a river, apparently a quiet place, maybe a little secluded where you would think this is a good place to have a devotional. This is a good place to think about God. And they were gathered there. How did she gather up those other women? I don't know. Did she gather him up or there's a lot of questions. Come on, Luke, give me a little more information. God says, to Luke, keep it short. Marty doesn't need all that stuff.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I think he was influenced by Bramden.
0: She, she could have been, uh, but, but she wasn't. She was. Well, we don't know. Who do who we talk about in Sunday night's lesson who wasn't Jewish but was worshiping? Remember this? Oh, yeah, you're going to go, oh, yeah, that guy. The, the eunuch. Where was he from? Ethiopia. Where's Ethiopia. Well, that's down south of Somalia, isn't it, or uh, south of Egypt anyway, at least. It's down in Africa. And he'd been to Jerusalem for the express purpose of worshiping. So we've got people who know about God, and this woman knows about God, and she's worshiping God. She doesn't just know on an intellectual level, oh, it's interesting, I study ancient religions now. No, she is worshiping God. And so Paul goes out there, and, and I'm forgetting why I'm talking about this. But but I want us to have a flavor for what the church is like in Philippi. Philippi. Uh, This isn't just a, a Bible letter or a Bible book. This is a letter written to people. And she's one of those specific people who got this congregation started as the jailer was. And they bring their families with it. So she's out there worshiping. And she's listening to Paul. And what does God do? Remember what we wrote down? He opens her heart. This is what we pray for, isn't it, when we study? Lord, help me to see. Help my eyes to be open. Not just to the intellectual message of your word, but to get that word in me. If you look at, uh, and I know, hey, this is supposed to be a study of Philippians, right, Marty? Uh, go to James James says something. The, the King James has a different word that I like better. But we're looking at James 1 verse 21. James 1 21. Therefore putting aside all filthiness. And all that remains of wickedness. In humility what do you do? Receive the word Implanted. Anybody got a King James? What's that? What's the New King James have? Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the word which is able to save Okay, implanted. The, the original King James, I believe, has engrafted. The engrafted word. In other words, that word is, it's, it's not just planted like you would put a plant in the ground. But it's part of a plant put in another plant. And I like that because uh, what did Paul say about the Gentiles when he was writing to the church at Rome? Yes, the Jews, they are the olive tree. And because of unbelief, some of those branches have been cut off. But look, woe and behold, or lo and behold, the Gentiles are the wild olive tree. And some of those branches have been grafted into the olive tree. And so now the Gentiles are taking part just as much as the the original olive branches are. So there's this idea of, of the engrafted word. This word is different from any other thing you could read. It's different from any other thing you could study. This word gets in our soul. It gets on our psyche. It gets on our mind. It becomes a way of life and a way of thinking and a way of transferring values to us That have an eternal weight to them. Yeah.
1: As a young boy growing up, and I'm going through puberty and all the things that go with that, this changes everything. If your son or your daughter, I'm not, I had girls, but I didn't have any sons, very, very girls, if any of this went on like it did with you, and it probably is, this is a game changer. This helps point them in the right direction. He's bounded. There's everything good to be had in taking our kids and taking the sons to like, I can't remember which one of the elders said, this is one of the best schools we've got. Mm-hmm. This changes life. It changes. It gives us. It gives us life. Right. It changes. Life. We were just talking about that in, uh, in our meeting
0: a little mm-hmm. while ago, at, uh, the shepherds, that there's there's only so much that a church can do, but one of the things we can do is provide solid, sound Bible education. But the kids have to be brought. Of course, me, when I was little, I just I just fought to go to church all the time. Okay, somebody got it. You're laughing because, you know, that wasn't true. I, I didn't want to go. I I knew I was supposed to. Because that's that's how my mom trained me and taught me, but I didn't really want to go. But even when I was there, not wanting to be there, I learned stuff that stuck with me. And of course, it's not like that in school. You only learn in school if you want to go, right? See, yeah, that's how it works. Now, of school, we say you you got to go to school. There's no way around. you're going to school. Just shut up and get your clothes on and get out the door because you're the teacher and you got to go to school. <laughs> No, we don't, we don't ever let our kids talk us out of making them go to school. They're going to go to school because you're going to get an education. What if they don't want to go to Bible class? Shut up and get your clothes on. You're going to Bible class. You're going to Bible class. Because I say so. I don't care if you like it or not. Actually, I do, but you're going anyway. That's, that's where we've got to be. This woman was mature. I I really, there's something about, (laughs) I like when it says when when she obeyed, what about her whole household? They obeyed too. When the jailer obeyed, what about his whole household? They obeyed too. I think there was something in the culture was different from what we've got. Uh, This, uh, I, I like the American spirit of individualism, but there might be a little bit too much of that sometimes. And I like I like leading our kids to knowledge. I like leading them to God. But if you've got a sheep that doesn't want to be led, do you just leave him behind? You tie him up to the truck and drag him. Spoken from an ag student, right there. You you make they're going to get where they need to go because you don't let your sheep stay behind, and you don't let your kids stay behind. You teach them, you train them, uh, you, you make them do what's right until they learn to do it on their own. And if they never do, at least, you know, you've you've impressed a value on them. Harold? I think there's got to be 100% examples of what they're trying to teach
1: the children to do. I can't just bring you my, my Bible class and I go on and do whatever I want to do or go outside and sit out, and make it easy. If, if you want your children to be in Bible class to learn, Parents have got to be in Bible class to learn. Also, they're a great example. They're the biggest example that the kids
0: would have in their life. And somehow, kids are smart enough to see what we really value. Uh, I don't know how they have such insight at a young age, but they see what's important to us, even when we're trying to tell them different. Well, uh, Paul and and then Preston, Preston.
1: Absolutely. And what has happened is you removed that, and now you have the freedom,
0: and this is what What was it George Washington said in his farewell address? He said uh, religion and morality are the two greatest supports of, did he did he say freedom? No. That, that was the idea. In vain would that man Claim.
1: Yep. You got it right there. Cool. I used it in my words, Supper, last week, I think. Oh, yeah. Which leads to political prosperity, religion, and morality are the indispensable supports in vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great codes of human happiness. These firmest props of the duties of the man and the citizens. So if, if,
0: in George Washington's mind, if you don't support morality and religion, you're not a patriot. Wow. That's in court
1: cortex better out of school to help the situation.
0: Yeah, that's and you can you can kind of you start looking at statistics, uh, crime and law and everything that goes down. It it all started about that time. I, I think of the '60s as a time of upheaval. The the one thing that was going on in the '60s that was a good thing was civil rights. Uh, but a lot of the rest of it was crazy. It was just craziness. It was like people were turned loose to do what they wanted. Now, when you, when you think about what God has done, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, did he give them free will? Of course he did. It, there's got to be free will. With no free will, what can you not have? What's the greatest command? It's It's love. You cannot have love without free will it's i don't want to say it's a risk, but when you think about it from god's perspective it, risk is what there is he's risking that people will reject him and that's what we do we We try to establish relationships we we have children and we have children knowing that our children might grow up and reject us, and sometimes they will and it's it's out of our uh, control because our children have free will. What's that? Well <laughs> I'm old enough now I should know some of this stuff. <laughs> Richard
1: Pope, oh, Chris Christ preacher used to go to the Bible chair at Wilburton, uh, came to do, he was in the Navy, I guess he became a Christian when he was on the submarine. Uh great man, great family. Our daughters, you know, went Perkins Church Cross Christ there. In Perkins, he went to Stillwater. Richard, at one time, <coughs> Church of Christ, the preacher, at Stillwater. It wasn't Perkins, it was Stillwater. And they came back to Perkins. the story he told is stuck in my mind. And you bring to mind this, this lesson that he taught about two brothers. Uh, back in the 1700s, there were two brothers. One brother was black and white. Everything was black and white. For our end young ones, no harm no foul, kind of gray or And they traced the lineage of these two brothers all the way up to the present day. And the one that was the the gray area, you know, there was multiple, you know, rapists, murderers, thieves, just not a whole lot of good, but there was some good. The one that was black and white, there was multiple uh, teachers, doctors, nurses. There were uh, two vice presidents in his lineage. And and, and the, the decisions that we made, just like what you were saying. We set the example like what Harold was saying. We set the example. we we got to be willing not only to have them in Bible class, but to be in Bible class ourselves. So that example that's set goes for Jesus' life, by example. That's how he wants us to live. And, and so this this idea is just permeates what we are and what we do.
0: <coughs> and when you see the church getting started in Philippi, you see this woman who's competent and capable. She's got a house big enough to house her whole family. She's brought them along on this journey. She's offering housing to to Paul and everybody with him. And she has obeyed the gospel, having been a worshiper of God, the Lord saw fit to open her heart to what Paul was saying. And that's, that's who she is. And her whole household has obeyed the gospel along with her. And then you see the jailer, and he's made a a 180-degree turn from being heathen, pagan, whatever he was before, having no knowledge of Jesus Christ. And now you look at the context. We didn't even do that, did we? We didn't look at the context of 16 that I took you there. How do we get off on this? What's wrong with me? He, uh, verse 28, Paul cries out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we're all here. And he called for lights and rushed in trembling with fear and fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What what do I do? And the quick, simple answer was, well, you need to believe on Jesus. That's the answer in verse 31. That wasn't the end of it. That's, that's where you start. You need to know about Jesus Christ. And so they spoke the word of the Lord to him. That's when he heard the gospel in verse 32. How do you really know about Jesus Christ unless you hear the gospel? Well, you can't. And once he learned the gospel in verse 32, what did he do in 33? He, he followed through. So we've got the whole context here. And then what does he do after he's baptized? He, he rejoices. The, Lydia is rejoicing. Man, you guys come stay at my house. She wouldn't want these guys to stay at her house if she wasn't thrilled with what she had just learned and what had just happened with her life. Everything has changed with her. Everything has changed with this jailer. I don't know what his life was like before that, but at least he's got his household in order because they all obey the gospel with him. And now he's rejoicing. He's not questioning, well, it might cost me my job. No, he's not worried about that. He's, he's thrilled. This is how the church gets started in this little city of Philippi. And when Paul writes to the church, you look at the first couple of verses of uh, the letter to the, to the church at Philippi, and this is how it starts. So remember, always look at the context and you'll see it wasn't just that they said, all you have to do is just believe in Jesus and you'll be fine. He didn't have a clue who Jesus was. So they preached to him about Jesus and and he said, well, then let's, he obeyed. Philippians chapter one, Paul and who else? Timothy, where did he pick up Timothy? And he's a Listerine, he picked him up in Lystra. Bondservants of Christ Jesus, this is in reference to their prison time, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who were in Philippi, including what? Overseers and deacons, bishops and deacons. This church has grown. Lydia and the jailer did not just sit back on their haunches once they became they had to be busy doing something because the gospel has spread in Philippi and the church is mature enough now that they've got bishops and deacons. Wow. And everything he says to this congregation in this letter is is positive and praiseworthy. How they are supporting him financially and and their love for him has been reestablished. It's just a, a wonderful letter to a congregation that is doing what they ought to be doing. And I, I read this book and I'm, I'm encouraged very much because of the, the potential that the church has to be really very good. And I think we have so much going on for us here. This congregation, I don't know how many congregations you've uh, visited in the last couple of years. But when we go on vacation, we find the church and we almost... Not in every case, but a lot of cases, we come away saddened by what we find. Uh, This place isn't like that. I would think nobody would walk away from here sad because this you're the Lord's people. Now, the other people were the Lord's people, too, I'm convinced. But when you read the seven letters that are dictated to churches in Revelation, they don't all get a good report card. Some of them have to go stand in a corner. Uh, there, Jesus says, I'm going to come take your candlestick away. If you don't straighten up, you're, you're lukewarm. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. That's pretty graphic language. So we're looking at a congregation here in Philippi that I think would have gotten a pretty good report had they been one of those churches. Well, you may not think this is exactly where we would have been going on the first night of a class in Philippians, but do you know anything about how the church got started? Thank Luke for that. Thank Luke. Thank the Holy Spirit for telling Luke, Luke, write it down. Put it down in the book. They'll find it later. They'll know what it's about. And that's what we've done. So, Lord willing, next week. Oh, sorry, Billy. I, I thought you were just saying, yeah, I, I heard that. I knew that. back there, wiggle
1: my arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you notice, the jailer received the, the gospel and no
0: his whole household. What did they
1: do? They followed the example. The lady received the gospel and happened, did her family did. do. The whole household followed the example. Right.
0: right lead the way the the path jesus said is straight and narrow and our kids need to see us in it so they can follow if they don't see us in it 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 may be difficult harold i think personally i think back at the we've been here with the church here for years and we've known a lot of people but uh
1: i have known people that actually were here I believe in 1939 when the church was first established up in town. And so I look back at that and I said, these people blessed us so bad. I mean, so great. I, mean, I am so thankful that there have been people in this community that is trying to lift up Jesus Christ, trying to be the church, and they've given it to us, they've handed it to us. Right. I think that, oh, boy, what a great opportunity. But our days are coming to hand it to the next generation, too. That's
0: right. That's right. Well, I think that means we're supposed to quit. Uh, Maybe we'll pick it up here, Lord willing, next week. Thank you for being here tonight. Lord bless you.